if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And hour number two is underway. Eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420. The answer on a free-for-all Friday, the 19th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2021. A wide open phone lines for you. Literally free for all for the next 30 minutes. And a little bit more in the second half hour as well as we will talk with Christina Hagen, former Ohio State representative, for her regular Friday visit and commentary. Uh, at about 10.35, but we will have time after that for you as well. Got a great message there from somebody about what's going on at Ohio State and other universities, but the one that uh, jumped out and that there was a report on at Big League Politics was uh, about Ohio State and their sex week, which wraps up tomorrow. I think the kink class is still open if you are uh, interested, and uh, I think doing drag is also open. Uh, you got to check yourself on the schedule. Yeah, it's every bit as disgusting as it sounds, as is our current president of the United States. I started the show by talking to you about the extraordinary um, dirt, I guess, is the best way to say it, that the Chinese Communist Party has on Joe Biden. Joe Biden can't even be coerced into condemning the Chinese Communist Party in his townhall.com live in the United States of America. Joe Biden given an opportunity and a chance to criticize the genocide that is taking place in China against the Uyghurs, the Muslim Uyghurs, and the heavy authoritarian thumb that they continue to hold on Hong Kong and Taiwan, denying those people freedom. Joe Biden refused to condemn any of it. Joe Biden is like the National Basketball Association. They won't condemn anything about China as well because there's billions in the Chinese market. Now, at least the NBA has a profit motive. In Joe Biden's case, he's got a self-preservation motive. They've got dirt on him. They've got the facts about how much money they and Chinese interests paid to the Bidens for special favors and attention while Joe Biden was vice president. Hunter Biden's laptop, which he left, and we all know the story by now, which he left at a computer repair shop and forgot about because he's a drunken cocaine-addled idiot. 
left it there, which made it property after 90 days of the, uh, of the uh, shop. They cleaned it up, fixed it up, and looked at it and turned it over to the authorities. Turned out there's all kinds of a treasure trove of information about Joe Biden, Jim Biden, and Hunter Biden's dirty dealings with China. So when he was asked at his town hall meeting about China and about uh, Hong Kong and Taiwan oppression and the, the genocide of the Uyghurs, Joe Biden said, eh, you know, it's a different culture. Everybody does things a little bit differently. You know, Chinese leaders, if you know anything about Chinese history, it has always been the time when China has been victimized by the outer world is when they haven't been unified at home. So the central, to vastly overstated, the central principle of Xi Jinping is that there must be a united, tightly controlled China. And he uses his rationale for the things he does based on that. (laughs) You will sit down and shut up Hong Kong citizens, Taiwanese citizens. You have no say here. You have no seat at this table. You will do as we, the Chinese Communist Party, tells you to do. Because if we don't, if we don't keep you under lock and key, we might get attacked from the outside world. That's what Joe Biden said on national television. The Chinese they know that the times that they've been attacked by the outside world is when they were divided. So they need a one-China policy in order to protect themselves. The only protection that is needed in this country, or in this world rather, is from the Chinese Communist Party. Not for the Chinese Communist Party. But it gets better. And by better, I mean much worse. I point out, Tim, no American president can be sustained as a president if he doesn't reflect the values of the United States. And so the idea, I'm not going to speak out against what he's doing in Hong Kong, what he's doing with the Uyghurs in western mountains of of, uh, China, and Taiwan trying to end the one China policy by making it forceful. I, I said, and by the way, he said he, he gets it. Culturally, there are different norms at each country, and they, their leaders are expected to follow. Culturally, there are norms that leaders are expected to follow. And in China, the cultural norms of the Chinese Communist Party is, you know, um, oppression of human rights and uh, concentration camps to torture and murder and commit genocide against a race and a religion of people. The leader of the free world, the president of the United States, just told the Chinese Communist Party, we've got your back. We're not going to interfere. I'm not going to say something negative about your culture. This is how you guys do things. You want to kill scores of people in concentration camps. Go right ahead. This is the President of the United States. This is a Congressman of the United States, Mark Green from Tennessee. We need a very hard stance with how China is, uh, I mean, if you read some of the stories coming out of those camps, those internment camps, it's, it's horrific. It's almost mid-20th you know, century stuff. Um, we, we, can't, we, we can't support that. Mid-20th century stuff refers to the Holocaust. The difference between then and now is then we were led by men who knew, who knew that the only way for evil to survive is for good men to stand by and do nothing. They stood up and did something. Joe Biden has announced that his own personal self-preservation, CYA, cover your arse. 
That is all he is concerned about. He knows if he crosses Xi Jinping, he's toast. Everything that we already know from Bobolinsky and the files and the documents and everything else on the laptop, we will get from China as well. We are being led by, my friends, and this isn't just bitterness over the stolen election. This is completely analytical and observational. We are being led by a puppet of China. And if that sounds familiar to you, I know it does because we listened for four years to the left say we are being led by a puppet of Putin. The only difference is we have evidence, evidence of Joe Biden's ties to and essentially his his uh, subservience to the Chinese Communist Party. Evidence. Can you imagine if Donald Trump gave a speech defending the genocide committed by Russians, you know, the, the you know, Russian government, ongoing, not historical, which, of course, we know is historical, but ongoing genocide of a race and a religion of people. And, and President Trump said, yeah, well, that's their culture. It's okay. Holy goodness, can you imagine what the mainstream media would say? they try to impeach him for that. Joe Biden just said, yeah, it's China. You know, they have their own culture there. I'm not going to get in the way of that. They're going to do what they do. Kenny is in LaGrange. You're on AM 1420, The Answer. Kenny, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob. You kind of stole a little bit of my thunder. Uh, I didn't know you I've were bringing couple... thunder, man. I would have stopped. I didn't know you were bringing thunder. <laughs> I, have, I have a couple books on my uh, in my library calling uh, Barack Obama the Manchurian candidate and the Manchurian president, but he opened the door for Joe Biden. Joe Biden yes, is, is, like you say, he's a puppet. Uh, they're going to take him out of office either uh, under, tw- 20, under the 25th Amendment, either in a wheelchair or the, the Hunter Biden scandal is going to take him out. The Democrats know this. At that point, little Miss Cammie Harris jumps into the White House, into the Oval Office. She gets to appoint her vice president. That's the clincher. Whoever she appoints as her vice president will eventually be the president because they will get rid of Miss Cammie Harris. If you've ever listened to any of her speeches in the last three months, two months, she sounds like a 10-year-old with her giggling. There's just no intelligence there. No. Kenny... There's a reason why her campaign for president ended on December 5th in 2018. She, I mean, she had no chance whatsoever, 2019, excuse me. She, had, she didn't even make it to the calendar year of the election. Right. She started her campaign in May of that year of 2019, went through the um, uh, polling and some debates. She sounded so juvenile, so infantile, so horrifically stupid on stage that even the Democrats hated her. She never got one um, over 1% or 2% in any of the polls, which is why before Christmas, before we even got to Christmas, much less to the primaries and Super Tuesday, she dropped her campaign because she was so reviled by even Democrats. Um, and, and and that's what made uh, Barack, or not Barack Obama, uh, Joe Biden's selection of her so so comical. If this was the Democrats' A team, a seventy a senile seventy seven year old political hack like Biden, <laughs> and the most uh, regrettable of the presidential candidates, if that's their A team, then you know they have something up their sleeve. These two people are not going to be around very long. We have to look into the wings. We have to look into the shadows to find out who's waiting to jump into those those slots. Biden's not going to be there before the end of the year. Uh, just just listening to the 
to, to, to the clips that you had on your program in the last couple minutes. Yeah. The guy can't even finish a sentence. No, he can't. So they're, they're toast. They're toast. We have to look into the shadows. Thanks, Kenny, Bob. I appreciate Kenny, great call. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, I still think, and I've said this before, and I hate the, the redundancy, but uh, I still think he knows it, and that's why he's doing everything he can to head it off. He's trying to stop himself from being cast aside by doing everything as radically as they want him to do. Today, one of the other big stories is he's about to rejoin the China, uh, not China, beg your pardon, the Iran nuclear deal. He is now, right now, literally in the in the process of renegotiating uh, um, uh, the deal with the Iranians, and very soon you can you can bank on it more pallets of cash, and they may not be as bold and blatant about it this time to actually have pallets of cash, but more money is going to be going to the Iranians in exchange for a promise. We promise. We promise. We won't build nuclear weapons. We're just going to continue to work on nuclear power for you know for energy. That's all, just for energy. We're going to be in the same boat we were before Trump came in and undid that damage. You notice we haven't heard very much from the Iranians over the course of the last uh, uh, four years. We really haven't because Joe Biden, or beg your pardon, because Donald Trump stopped playing games with these people and stopped uh, enabling them the way Barack Obama did. There's a reason why the the Iranians wanted Donald Trump out of office. There's a reason why the Chinese wanted Donald Trump out of office, because he was coming down on our worst enemies. Joe Biden is stepping in and literally enacting the exact opposite policies, giving them opportunities, giving them breaks. Do you realize that Iranian-backed forces just attacked American troops in Iraq? Did you know that? Did you read about that? Did you hear about that? Probably not. And instead of retaliating with a Moab, the way Donald Trump did, the mother of all bombs, Joe Biden lifts sanctions and begins the new negotiation to get back into the Iran nuclear deal, reopening diplomatic talks. The Iranian terrorist leaders are salivating at their ability over the next four years to exploit our weak leader. They are just loving life right now. They're living their best life. All we had to do is stay out of the way and survive for the four years of Trump because nobody knew what he would do to us. All we have to do is survive, and we'll get another weak Democrat leader to take advantage of. They owned Barack Obama lock, stock, and barrel. Now they own uh, Joe Biden. Well, what's left of Joe Biden? Because, quite frankly, China owns 90% of him. All right, it's 1021, quick time out. More calls right after this, AM 1420, The Answer. So um, I was just pondering something off the air. Um, Actually reading a, a Facebook comment. That, that maybe, or not, I'm sorry, not a Facebook comment, a story that I found on Facebook, not a comment, a story. Uh, President Trump is said to be considering at least the first step of what I kind of suggested right after, you know, every, we knew how this whole thing was going to play out as far as the election. I said I wanted Trump to build a phone company, his own phone company, meaning a smartphone company uh, with his own software and his own platforms and so forth so that we can all get out from underneath the 
big tech tyrants thumbs you know of um, apple and google because if you have a smartphone you have an apple or a google you either have an iphone or you have an android of some sort made by samsung or somebody else but this is all google technology and i wanted president trump to start his own so we can get away from that he is <coughs> excuse me he is according to this report from the washington examiner telling friends he has hundreds of millions of dollars in backing for a new social media venture that would essentially create his own social media platform, a conservative-friendly social media platform. And I like that. I have no problem with that. I like that. Um, He's been booted from social media. They took his account down on Twitter. They took it down on Facebook, which is ridiculous, which is censorship, which is cancel culture to the nth degree or exponent. Uh, And he should do what he can to try to give conservatives an outlet. And I hope he's successful in that. But I'm going to say something here. And it was just pondering it during the break. Have you noticed over the last couple of weeks how much more sympathetic President Trump seemed since he has not been able to access social media? Do you understand what I mean by that? I don't like that he was banned. It's, it's, if they can do that to the president, which he was at the time they did it, they can do it to anybody. But Donald Trump not having access to go on social media right now during this period and say some really, really off-the-wall things like he has always done on social media, I think has given the public an opportunity to pause and look and reflect at what he was and what he did and what he accomplished rather than being distracted by the latest wild thing that he may type on his phone. I don't know that President Trump being off of social media hasn't been a, a pretty good thing for him. I can see him staying quiet, under the radar, down at Mar-a-Lago, not being on social media, not saying things that are controversial, not saying things that get people fired up, angry or mad or whatever. And the more, longer he's gone without being noisy... And the more we see Joe Biden just screwing this country over, the more people will realize, oh, my God, we, we made a mistake here. I'm talking about moderates who may have voted for Joe Biden. I'm t- we may have made a mistake here. We need that Trump guy back. I don't know that him being banned from social media isn't a better thing for him. That's just a thought. If you have a thought, hit me up. Bob is in Burton on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Bob. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. How you doing? Good, sir. What's on your mind? I, uh, you know, I've listened to everybody talking over the last... Uh, hey, hey, Bob, if you're on a speaker, I'm having a hard time, buddy. Can you put pick up the uh, handset? Uh, yeah, we got to go on I, the I'm handset. I'm on this now. Okay, how about now? All right, Any better? Not much, but go ahead and make your point. We'll, we'll deal with it. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to start, you know, start calling these people for what they are. These are not liberals. They're not the left. These are out-and-out communists that are in that party now. I mean, they... They are in the pockets of the of the Chinese. They have been since the Clinton years, and we need to start calling them for what they are. I mean, you have the the FBI is the new KGB, uh, the news media is the new Pravda, and the way the Capitol building is is wrapped up in barbed wire now, they might as well call it the the the, the, the new uh, Kremlin, uh, uh, the Russian, yeah, the, the Kremlin. Kremlin, yeah. You know what, Bob, you're right. The parallels are very, very accurate. I appreciate your call. Thank you. You're right. Uh, They are. And by the way, I have uh, already been calling some of them communists. 
again, remember the flap about when Kamala Harris was named the uh, pick for Joe Biden for vice president and people were calling her Kamala, 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 and she got mad and the left got mad, learn her name, it's Kamala. Remember what we said, the best way to remember? It's Kamala, like communist, not Kamala, like capitalist. When you think of it through that, that lens or look at it through that lens, it's very easy to remember. Not capitalist, Kamala, but communist, Kamala. We're going to talk to uh, a decidedly anti-communist, Christina Hagen, former uh, four-time Ohio State representative, joins us for uh, her thoughts on what's going on today next. AM 1420, The Answer. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. It doesn't just die. We kill it with fire every day on AM 1420. The answer. Appreciate you being with us. We'll get back to some more of your phone calls after we talk to our regular Friday guest now. This is week number three for political commentary and societal commentary from former four-time Ohio State Representative Christina Hagan. Back on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Christina. How are you? Hey, I'm doing well. Staying warm, feeling blessed. How are you doing? I'm doing well also, and that's good to hear. I like that. I like feelings of being blessed. We are all blessed. Um, hey, Christina, I, um, you know, obviously when you and I chat prior to a show, we kind of go over the things we're going to talk about. I, I, I want to go veer from the script, though, to give you a chance to do what everybody else who has been on the airwaves has done for the last 48 hours, and that's a little reflection on the loss of Rush Limbaugh. Oh, absolutely. Rush was um, nothing short of legendary. I mean, to lead the conservative truthful commentary over the last three decades. I mean, my, my entire life um, was shaped by this man's ability to articulate with uh, kindness, but also truth. Um, I grew up going along on service calls with my father and, you know, in between every stop, whether we were stopping to grab food in between a service call or going to the next house, you can guarantee if Rush was on the radio, we were listening to him. And I just think how many, how many people, um, were delivered truth and accuracy that they wouldn't otherwise have ever received had he not led the way and pioneered the way. So I just, it's a devastating loss. Um, we all knew it was underway. I think the most beautiful thing about Rush was he never um, took his talent for his own, but recognized wholly that it was his on rent from God on loan. And um, it's just a beautiful thing as a Christian, although we, we have heartache here on earth, we realize that there is a um, eternal homecoming and to know that he's home and free of pain is just it's, it's such an awesome thing but he will forever forever be missed and even the beautiful thing they're doing now and running some of his previous shows is is it's, it's awesome to see and hear um but we wish he he could be around forever but we'll definitely be still listening and learning from him um and i'll be sure to make sure my children know who he was and what he did and how he did it yeah, his his legacy, you know, deserves that uh, to to really, you know, uh, be extended into future generations. You know, you call him a pioneer. I mean, literally, he the, the boldness of the actual pioneers. I don't think people, you know, think too much about getting in that Calistoga covered wagon and going into uncharted territory and trying to find a place to, uh, you know, near water to live and survive and to plant and so forth. And 
that was him in the media world. I mean, he was in uncharted territory. The danger is uneven, you know, unable to be explained. He was risking everything by trying to open this new, uh, this new format, this conservative talk radio format. I called him the godfather of conservative pride because he made it okay for us by being our voice. He made it okay for us to use our own voices. And, you know, as all pioneers do, you know, his, his true value will be reflected in those who came before him, who followed the path that he forged. And if he wasn't there, Christina, you and I aren't talking right now because I don't have a show. Hugh Hugh doesn't have a show. Dennis Prager doesn't have a show. We all owe what we have, and the conservative voice that has been heard in this country is all owed to him. So uh, there's not not enough that you can really say about him, but I really appreciate what you just did. Uh, Okay, let's get to Ohio politics. I wanted to ask you first because, of course, as a longtime member of the General Assembly, Um, I want to ask you about Senate Bill 22. There are a lot of us who have been very, very angry and frustrated that in the entire year now that we have been dealing with with, uh, lockdowns and curfews and mask mandates and other restrictions that are crushing businesses, school closures, and so forth, um, we've been very frustrated that the legislature has not been able to get anything done to rein in the power of Mike DeWine, which is almost unheard of. There's only three or four governors who have as much uh, power under their state's constitution uh, given to the governor to make decisions in a health emergency. So Senate Bill 22 finally came around. It passed overwhelmingly with what would be, I guess, a veto-proof majority when it comes down to it. Now it's up to the House to do their part of this. Uh, do you have confidence that we are on the road to reclaiming some liberty for the people rather than uh, people continuing to suffer under the tyranny of, uh, of uh, uh, a man, I think, who has outgrown his office? I do, and it's uh, it's great to talk to a like-minded person. And I think, I mean, you even mentioned here in the initial statement that it's we're one of only three or four states that allows for this gross abuse of power in the executive branch. So I think that's an important point to drive home to people that this is this is not a crazy concept to take back the power that is indeed derived by the legislature. And of course, I'm uh, particularly biased, having served in the state legislature and watched. Um, as my colleagues didn't exude the strength and didn't exude um, the backbone when necessary. And I watched um, as really important measures um, were in underway for a veto override, and we lost people who had previously voted for bills of immense conviction and then flipped that vote within a two-week period and then suddenly had a great high-paying state job. So when you ask about confidence um, in this this bill, I'm immensely confident that they have gotten to the point that they've gotten to. Um, you know, I served, I actually was seatmates with uh, Speaker of the House, Bob Cup. He held each one of my three children as we worked the legislative process together. Um, I am hopeful that they will pick up and not change too much what the Senate has courageously passed. Um, I feel very, very confident in the leadership in the Ohio Senate under Senator uh, Matt Huffman, who comes from the conservative area of the state has exuded and executed on conservative principles and just the backbone alone it takes to have a bill that stands for Ohioans over the executive branch. I've watched the extreme overreach of the executive branch for the last decade, and this is the first time that I can really document a case where they actually stood up to um, an overreach. So I am confident that they will get it done. I'm prayerful that there aren't pressures being applied behind the scenes to those who had the conviction to stand up and take this vote. I believe we have the appropriate majority, and I think there's probably at least um, one disgruntled Democrat who's experiencing pushback in their constituency from this reign of power that has caused immense pain in their constituency. 
So I am prayerful that legislators will indeed do the right thing here. And I'm just thankful for the leadership um, of those carrying the bill, both uh, Doc or Senator Johnson and also Rep- or Senator McCauley, both former representative colleagues of mine, great people with a great heart for the people that they serve. And I think for once in a very long time, the legislature is absolutely going to get the job done so we don't face the same level of tyranny in the future. Um, Christina Hagan is my guest. I hope we don't uh, part company here on this issue because um, I don't know where you are in this. Um, I'm going to combine this story with you know the Senate Bill 22 with the Rob Portman open Senate seat, or which will be open as he is not running for re-election in 2022. Um, Christina, I was livid uh, in at the end of last year, at the end of the last General Assembly, because. Um, Senate President Abhoff would not call a vote, um, which would have gotten us a lot faster on this process to um, liberating the people from the tyrannical thumb of Mike DeWine and his health director, whoever that may be at the time. Um, I was lived with Abhoff. Uh, he kept saying, it's not my fault. There's not enough votes over in the House anyway, so we're not going to have that vote. Um, and I believe, and a lot of people do, that he was, because he knew he was term limited, he was um, not going to cross the governor because that may be his next employment, an appointment of some sort. I was livid. And I'm tying this into the Senate seat now, uh, Christina, because Jane Timken announced yesterday she is in. Um, I was livid at Jane Timken as the leader of the ORP for not doing more to work with member the leadership of the General Assembly. Remember, it's a full-on Republican-controlled government in this state, in both houses of the, of, the, of the legislature, the Assembly, and, of course, the wine. The fact that the Republican Party has let people suffer, children suffer, businesses, workers, and everything else as long as they have, when they could have done something, was infuriating to me. As such, I don't want anything to do with Jane Timken being a potential senator representing our great state. Now, like I said, I've never asked you about this. If you have a different relationship or feeling about them, don't hold back, but that's my thought. What are yours? Uh, Well, I pray about a lot of things, uh, Bob, and it's difficult, um, this particular issue, because I see people who have the potential to be phenomenal candidates in this race. And I see people who have proven track records that are in this race. And I've known um, most, if not all, of the people that are expressing interest in running. And even, you know, have former uh, supporters or consultants who are looking at working on other races that aren't even, um, or aren't even being discussed. And I just look at all of it and I think, I pray to God that the constituency does their homework on each and every candidate to the fullest degree possible, that they do immense research, that they, I, I personally, I don't intend to weigh in on this particular Senate race um, because I am planning my own congressional race. But what I'll say is I've had experiences um, with two of the prime candidates at hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and anybody can look back in history and see what that looks like. You know, recently the road has been much less difficult, but I do think we need people who are going to fight for and stand up for conservative principles, even when it's not popular to do so. Um, And I, you know, again, credit where credit's due. I've seen, you know, Jane advocate for the president, fight for the president on some really tough issues. Um, I would like to see her back on Governor DeWine. Um, And to Josh's credit. That's a part of this problem. Right. Josh, Josh did serve alongside my father um, as state legislator. He was the vice chair uh, when my father served and was the uh, chair of public utilities. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Josh had great experience as well and a two-time elected leader. I mean, we've got – this is going to be a substantial primary, and I think people need to be wide awake and listening. I mean, we saw what happened in my primary with uh, Anthony Gonzalez, um, and we saw that Gonzalez didn't have a track record. And then later we found out the surprise that he wasn't what he said he was. Mm-hmm. So I just – you know, I do caution, but I also say these people are both um, – serious contenders in a Republican primary. And I just pray that people do research and that they vote their conscience on this issue. I don't wish to, you know, put my thumb on the weights because I've had experiences that I think um, I don't even want to relive. But what I'll say is Governor DeWine, you know, again, we talked about this briefly. He did what he thought was best in a difficult space. However, I think that has long overstayed its welcome. Um, and the fact that the legislature is doing what they need to do. We don't need to wait on people that are running for office to make these decisions. I think we need to bolster and support current elected officials like we see in the state legislature who are doing the right thing, advocate beside them, go in and help them. But it's a very, very interesting space for me, and I'm going to be very observant of um, all of these leaders and their intentions. But again, you know, people like Congressman Bill Johnson are expressing interest. Also, you know, um, uh, Stivers is expressing interest. There are many people, you know, there's talk of this, of JD Vance. It's going to be a crowded field, a multi way yeah. primary. And I am going to, um, grant the party the same gift that they've always granted me. And that is that I will support whomever the Republican nominee is. <laughs> yeah, and, and I respect that. I just, like I said, I, I am very hopeful that it is not the former chair of the ORP, um, because I feel like she exactly what she said. She did not do enough to rein in Mike DeWine. And quite frankly, you know, I, if you look across the country at Republicans who voted in the House to impeach Donald Trump and those who voted in the Senate to convict Donald Trump, they have all or almost all been censured by their state parties for for crossing that line and siding with the Democrats in a non unconstitutional, no due process uh, venture like that. And in Ohio, not a word from Jane Timken about Anthony Gonzalez, other than he's my congressman, I think he's a good guy, and he think he had a real ras- rational reason why he voted to to impeach Donald Trump. I'm not sure how I would have voted. She no no call for censorship. No no you know she claims she supports Donald Trump. She's going to run on this. I want the Trump agenda to continue. America first. Blah blah blah. I think it's as phony and as two faced as the day is long. And uh, like I said, not a word of condemnation for Anthony Gonzalez in doing what he did. I'll give you the last thought because we're almost out of time. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, these are going to be serious contenders. I think there's going to be a lot of discussion between, you know, all of the parties involved. And uh, thankfully, I am not raising money to have this discussion. But I, you know, I have very deep-seated experiences and personal feelings on the matter. So I think it would be... Understood somewhat unfair for me to weigh in because this uh yeah i'm not asking you for an endorsement no (laughs) just to be clear i'm not asking you for an endorsement of somebody or a favorite or anything else i just wanted your thoughts on especially again what the um general assembly is doing now which needed to be done a long time ago and i feel like could have been perhaps pushed and urged to do so by more of the republican power players including in the orp uh with the last general assembly and it could have eased the burden on ohioans a lot a long time ago and they didn't and that's a frustrating thing yeah 
And I know you know the process. You know how you know the politics of it all, and you know the, the difficulty in getting things done sometimes in Columbus. So I knew you'd be a perfect person to ask about that. But no, not asking for an endorsement or anything else. But I do appreciate your great insight on this. That's why I wanted to talk to you, and I'm so glad that we are. Uh, Christina Hagen, thank you so much for your time. I hope you have a great weekend. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob. All right. It is uh, 1051. Final uh, timeout, final segment coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1055, final segment of a free-for-all Friday. Let's get a couple more good thoughts in here. We'll talk to Bob in Middleburg Heights. Robert, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. Uh, I heard you speaking earlier about these political puppets, as you were calling them. Yeah. And this brings me to this: these union pipeline workers who lost their job. Mm-hmm. Was there something's just not right with that? I mean, there's you didn't hear nothing from the oil industry about this. You didn't hear nothing from the union from this. You didn't hear no interviews with any of the workers about this. Ah, Bob, I'm going to stop you there because I've heard all of those things. Maybe we're watching the different wrong channels or reading the wrong things. I've seen plenty of interviews with the workers who have been laid off. Tears from foremen who had to tell their crews that they were all out of work now. I've seen those interviews. I've heard the unions complaining. I've heard... uh, just about everybody who isn't on the, in the Biden administration complaining about this. But, but, but very, very little, Bob. And, and again, what I'm saying is they told these guys, yeah, you, you're going to go out and get yourself a job in telecommunications. So I'm like, you think a welder is going to get a job in telecommunications? It's not going to happen. No, it's not. Um, and and, you and know, the, only, the only person <laughs> saying that, though, is Biden and Kerry. Joe Biden and John Kerry, because they're the ones behind all of this with the green garbage, uh, they're the ones who are saying, well, you dig in a coal mine, you get black lung disease. We're going to go put you to work in a solar panel plant instead. Well, first of all, there aren't solar panel plants all over the country, number one. Number two, uh, in the time it takes them to build them and put new workers in there, how many of these people are going to starve? So, Because they're not going to be able to live on $300 a month unemployment checks and pay pay all of their bills. Yeah, so. But that's I mean, I can't believe they just kicked these guys to the curb and they let this go by, you know. It, yeah. And well, I'll tell you what. One other thing. Well, too, well, then, well here's late. the thing, Bob. Here's I'm gonna and I no, I appreciate the phone call. I'm gonna get some other people on before we're done here. Okay. I don't think they did kick them to the curb. I, I and and just and nobody talk about it. Um, I I think people are fighting for this. There are a lot of people who are fighting for this. Republicans are fighting to try to get uh, Biden to change that. Uh, and and re re uh, out, uh, re uh, reopen the uh, Keystone Pipeline in the building. Um. It's just the administration. It's just the far left green Nazis that are, are green nuts. I don't like people using Nazis all the time, but the green nuts are the ones who don't care about these workers. I think a lot of people have expressed that they do, and uh, and it's going to be a fight. John is in Chardon next. Hi, John. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Yeah, I'm talking about Rush Limbaugh, the granddaddy of uh, the father of talk radio. I recall it was rumored among conservatives that this fellow was coming along. Before that, he'd gone on to the audiences and traveled around. And one of his early shows, he reflected upon his relationship with his father, who had been a P-38 pilot in World War II and had recently passed away. And he said his father would tell his mother, where did he get this ability? I I don't understand it. And Russ said, uh, he, he reflected and he said, Dad, I got it from you. I never heard that story. 
I never heard that story, but it's a great story, and I love all of these. Matter of fact, and thank you, John, for, for that call and that little reflection of Rush and his humility and his love for his father. Um, I, I, now, I don't have time for it. Uh, Bo Snerdly, his longtime producer, who the left, by the way, did not believe existed. Bo Snerdly, they accused Rush Limbaugh, who they thought was a stone-cold racist, of inventing a black producer named Bo Sturdly, Snurdly, and that he didn't actually exist. Um, his real name is James Golden. His on-air name is Bo Snurdly, and he gave, last night on Hannity, a tear-filled tribute to his great friend and boss um, uh, at the EIB network, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, it's, I wish I had time to play it. I just don't. I did a lot of Limbaugh tributing between yesterday's show, today's show, and last night or night before last when I hosted the Larry Elder show. Um, but nobody did it as well as Bo Snurdly did, who, like I said, was in tears. And um, God bless that man. I know it's a hard thing for him. And uh, God bless Rush, all of his family, friends, and yes, all of us who benefited from his wisdom. That's where I'm going to leave it today because we're out of time. Mike Gallagher's next. Be safe. Be free this weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye bye.